On today's show, I'm talking about the five reasons why Jesus must return. I'm also going to be interviewing best-selling author Rabbi Jonathan Kahn on his new book, The Harbinger 2. I'm talking about the very troubling news that the Biden administration has frozen settlements in the West Bank and also in East Jerusalem. Ben and Jerry's is also boycotting Israel with their ice cream in the settlement area. I'm also going to be answering questions such as, uh, can you lose your salvation? And can I be raptured if I don't go to church? Welcome to Tipping Point. I'm Jimmy Evans. Welcome to today's show. You know, I want to talk to you again today about the end times, the times that we're living in. And I want to remind you right up front that we have a website called endtimes.com that has all kinds of articles. My weekly podcast that comes out on endtimes.com is the Tipping Point Prophecy Update. It's $7 a month, $77 a year. But in addition to this show talking about the end times, we have articles, interviews, a wealth of information. And on this program today, I'll be teaching on the five reasons why Jesus must return. I'm also interviewing best-selling author Rabbi Jonathan Kahn on his new book, The Harbinger 2. That's coming up here in just a little bit. But let me start out by talking about why Jesus must return. Now, I've been teaching on the end times for 40 years. And during that time, I've kind of been surprised, I guess, at the way people respond to teaching on the end times. Well, first of all, there's a group of people that just get very excited. I hope you're one of those people. When they hear end times teaching, uh, it encourages them. It excites them. They love it. They tell others about it. I'm one of those people. Hope you're one of those people. But there are other people that get frightened uh, by news about the end times. In other words, it bothers them. It's not a blessing to them. It bothers them. Young people, and I think this is pretty typical. Now, a lot of young people read my book, Tipping Point, a lot of young people are subscribers on endtimes.com. And so I know a lot of young people are very interested in the times we're living in and believe what the Bible says about the end times. But, you know, it's common for young people to say, well, you know, I don't want Jesus to come because I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to do this. I think that's very typical. And, you know, I, I, I completely understand that. But even preachers, many preachers will not preach on the end times because they think it's controversial or will cause problems or something like that. Well, you know something? Jesus is controversial. In fact, I can't think of one subject in the Bible that isn't controversial. But this is something that a third of the Bible basically is prophecy, and most of it is end-time prophecy. Why would God give us so much information about the times that we're living in right now if he didn't want us reading about it and talking about it and preachers preaching on it? And so I'm just saying this is very, very important that we understand this entire concept of the end times. And let me give you an example now of how important this is in the Bible. Okay, uh, The return of Jesus is mentioned 329 times in the Bible, and it is the second most frequently mentioned doctrine in all of Scripture. Hope you heard that. Mentioned 329 times in the Bible. Second most frequently mentioned doctrine in the Scriptures. In 216 chapters in the New Testament, it's mentioned 318 times in the New Testament. 23 out of 27 books in the New Testament refer to the return of Jesus. One out of 30 verses in the New Testament refers to the return of Jesus. After salvation by grace, it, is, it was the second most popular 
doctrine preached by the early church. And so you, the, for 300 years, this is a very, very critical doctrine for us to understand. It's mentioned all through the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and the New Testament is full of it. And so I want to talk about five reasons why Jesus must return. It's a major subject in the Bible, something that believers need to understand and focus on. That's why it's mentioned so often is because the authors of the Bible and the Holy Spirit who authored the Bible want us to know that this is coming and to be aware of it and look forward to it. Okay, so let me tell you five reasons why Jesus must return. And number one, he promised he would return. That's the number one reason. If, if Jesus promises something and doesn't keep his promise, that makes him a liar and the universe crumbles, especially the Christian universe crumbles if Jesus lies. So here's what Jesus said in John 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again. There's the promise. And receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way that you know. Now, for the Western mind, okay, now, by the way, I want you to remember the little phrase. He said, I will return and receive you to myself. I want you to remember that because there's a very important word in there that I want to tell you about. And so this is Jewish wedding language. Uh, for the Western mind, this just doesn't mean much to us. When a Jewish uh, groom was going to marry a Jewish bride, he left his father's house with a bride price. And he went to the bride's home and paid the price for the bride to her parents. And he sat there with her parents and they drank a glass of wine. And they drank that glass of wine that legally bound their betrothal. They were then legally betrothed at that point. And the groom would then say to the bride, I will not drink of this cup again until I drink it with you in my father's house. Does that sound familiar? That's what Jesus said to the disciples at the last summer. This is Jewish wedding language that Jesus is talking about. And by the way, when they were betrothed, the groom then left the bride's house, typically for about a year. He went back to his father's house and built a place for his bride called a huppah. And when the room was finished or the house was finished, the father, his father would then inspect it and he could not go back and get his bride until his father told him he could. That's why Jesus said, I don't know the day and the hour, only the Father knows. Okay, this is all about a wedding. And so Jesus promised that he was going to go away and that he was going to return. And by the way, after about a year, the Father would tell the Son, typically at midnight, in the middle of the night, he told his Son to go get his bride. And the Son and all of his party would come and they would get the bride and her attendants and go back and have a wedding for seven days, all symbolic of a seven-year wedding that we're going to have with Jesus when the rapture happens. And so th this is all. So Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you unto myself so that where I am, you can be also. This is why Jesus is returning. It's a big reason why Jesus is returning is he's coming back to marry his bride. Okay. And so he said, receive you. That's the word paralambano. The word receive in the Greek language is the word paralambano. Okay. So think about that. So let's talk about the rapture for this minute. This is Luke 17, and Jesus is talking about his return, and he's going to talk about the rapture. Okay? He's going to graphically describe the rapture for us. Okay? So this is Luke 17. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. 
They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. By the way, that's why we know that the rapture happens before the tribulation because marrying, buying, marrying, buying, selling, marrying, giving in marriage, it's not going to happen at the end of the tribulation. This is a prejudgment scripture. Jesus is saying before the judgment came, just like knowing his family, when they got on the ark before the judgment, that's going to be the way it comes. It is when I come because I'm going to come, take my bride, and then judgment's going to hit. Uh, likewise, this is verse uh, 28 there. As it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, uh, they built, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out, the day that Lot went out, he's talking about one day in history when Lot went out of Sodom and Gomorrah before the judgment. The angel said, we can't judge this place till you're out of here until you've safely arrived at your destination. Okay, And so... Uh, the day that Lot went out of Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day that the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he was on the housetop and his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you in that night, now this is the rapture. Jesus is describing the rapture here. I tell you, in that night, there will be two people in one bed. The one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one taken and the other left. Okay, so that's the rapture, a selective rapture. Jesus is going to come when there's buying, selling, marrying, giving in marriage, planting, building, business as usual, right before judgment falls, just like Noah, just like Lot. And he's going to come and selectively take those who are his. Two people sleeping together in bed. He's going to take one and leave the other. Two people standing together in a field. He's going to take one and leave the other. But here's the interesting thing. The word taken there is the word paralambano. In John 14, where Jesus says, I'm going to go away and I'm going to come back and receive you, paralambano, you to myself. Wedding. I'm leaving, I'm coming back as your groom, and I'm going to paralambano you. That's the same word he uses in Luke 17. I'm going one paralambano. He's, the rapture is when Jesus comes from the Father's house in heaven, when the Father gives him permission, and he comes down to the earth, and he receives his bride unto himself. He paralambanos us. Okay? So I want to say a couple of things that, that, to comfort you, because okay? we're living in terrible times and trying times. Jesus Christ is coming very, very soon. I want, to, I want to say that to you. If you're a Christian, you need to look up and lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing near. The second thing I want to say to you is we are not going through the tribulation. Absolutely, we're not going to go through the tribulation. Buying, selling, marrying, giving in marriage, planting, building, all of those things talk about hope for the future. Regarding the tribulation, Jesus said in Matthew 24, those days will be so bad. They're the worst days in human history. And unless they were cut short, no flesh would have survived. Basically, three-fourths of the world's population is dead by the end of the tribulation. And there is a rapture now at the end of the tribulation. That's for the people who get saved during the, the tribulation. Uh, and I'll talk about that later. But I want you to know that as believers, we have the blessed hope of knowing that Jesus Christ is returning for us any day now, any moment now, in the twinkling of an eye, and he's going to come and take us, then the judgment will hit the earth. And so the things that are happening right now are bad in the earth, but I'm telling you the worst are coming. We won't be here. We're going to be in the presence of Jesus at the most glorious wedding you've ever seen in your life. And here's what I tell people, like young people that say, well, I want to get married. Well, I want to build a house. Well, I want to graduate, whatever. 
Can I tell you something? When you see the face of Jesus, you will never look back, ever. You will never in your life say, I wish I could go back and do this or that. When you see the glory of God and the glory of Jesus Christ, you will never, you'll never look back again. Jesus is coming very soon. He must return. Here's another reason that Jesus must return. The dead are resurrected at Christ's return. If Jesus doesn't come back, the, de the dead aren't resurrected. And I'm talking about believers who have died. Now, the unbelievers who are dead, all of those will be resurrected at the end of the millennium. Okay, That's Revelation chapter 20. There, the great white ju throne judgment happens. They're all uh, later on. But believers, my dad is an example of this. My dad died about 12 years ago. Uh, he had cancer. He died at 80 years old. And he was a believer, very strong believer. Now, his body is in the ground, but his spirit is in the presence of Jesus. That's what happens when believers pass. Their spirit goes to be with Jesus. Their body is in the ground. But that body is important because one day it's going to come out of the ground and be resurrected. If they're cremated, whatever happened, God is going to take the spirit of those who are asleep in Jesus. That, that's the scripture we're going to read here in just a minute. Those who sleep in Jesus, those who have passed, he's going to take their spirits in his presence and reunite them with glorified bodies. This is 1 Thessalonians 4. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, those who have passed in Jesus. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The dead in Christ will rise first. My dad is going to be resurrected before I am. Those of us who are alive and remain will still be caught up. By the way, that's where we get our word rapture. It's the Greek word harpazo. It's the Latin word rapturo. That's where we get our word rapture. Some people say it's not in the Bible. Well, it's in the Latin Bible, okay? But that's where we get our word rapture. First Corinthians 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Now, again, I want to say this is believers. These are all the believers that have died since, you know, Jesus was resurrected and those who are asleep in Jesus. And they're going to come out of their graves with a, their spirits, with a, a glorious, immortal body. We will be changed into that same thing. Now, by the way, there's going to be a generation of people who never die. That's kind of interesting. I would like to be in that generation. I believe I am in that generation. That I believe that we're in the days just prior to the return of Jesus, and some of us won't die. Those of us who are alive and remain until the coming of Jesus, we're going to be caught up in that rapture to meet the Lord in the air. And so the resurrection of the dead happens at the return of Jesus. So Jesus has to return so the dead are resurrected. The people have died in Christ. Number three reason why Jesus must return, Satan is finally and forever defeated at the return of Jesus. Okay, so we want Satan to be defeated. We all know that. This is Revelation 19. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. 
and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and in his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now let's go to uh, Revelation 20. That was Revelation 19. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the devil's end. That's, that's what's going to happen to the devil, that Jesus is going to defeat him. He's put into a prison for a thousand years during the millennial rule of Jesus Christ on the earth. But at the end of the thousand years, he's let out and he goes and deceives the nations. And then Jesus puts him in the lake of fire forever and ever. And so the return of Jesus has to happen so Satan can be judged. And here's another very important reason Jesus must return. The deity of Jesus is proven at his return. You know, Jesus claimed many times to be God. And remember on Revelation 19, 16, he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, right now, you would say to people, maybe your friends, maybe your family members, you know, I believe that Jesus Christ is, is Lord of my life. I believe he created everything. I believe he's the Lord of all. And people will scoff at you. They won't scoff anymore. Every eye will see him. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Right now, they mock him. They use his name as a curse word. They scoff about him. They scoff about his return. But when he returns, he will put to rest all doubt that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He must return to validate his deity. Number five, the return of Jesus establishes the authority of Scripture. The return of Jesus is mentioned 329 times in the Bible. And if he does not return, the, it completely invalidates the word of God. But the word of God is true in every man a liar. The word of God is true. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away my words will never pass away. But let me tell you some other things. Those are the five reasons why Jesus must return. Let me tell you the importance of the understanding of the return of Jesus. It motivates us to live for Jesus. If you believe that Jesus is coming back at any time, you live a better life. You live for Jesus. You make better decisions. 1 John 3, 3 says, and everyone who has this hope within him purifies himself. The hope there is the hope of Jesus returning. When you have that hope within you, you live a, a pure life. It also motivates us to evangelize. The early church was constantly talking about the return of Jesus, the Maranatha, the term Maranatha, if you ever heard that, it means, you know, come Lord Jesus. And so they were constantly greeting each other with Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Why? Because they understood the urgency of telling other people about Jesus Christ. I, I believe that the rapture is going to happen soon. And after the rapture happens, comes the tribulation where there will be suffering beyond any level that the earth has ever experienced. It, it will be unbelievable. You don't want your family here for that. You don't want your friends here for that. And I can say you need to be praying for them, but you need to open up and just share your witness. You know, you don't have to shove Jesus down anybody's throat. All you have to do is just tell him what he did for you. That's what witnessing is. Witnessing isn't what I do. It's who I am. I'm just witnessing that Jesus Christ Save my life. Jesus Christ is everything for me. The other thing that the teaching of Jesus' return does is it motivates us to endure. 
Mark chapter 8 says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. We need to stand by Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming any day. We need to keep our eyes on heaven and we need to live a pure life, evangelize, and we need to endure in this evil day, understanding that when we're not ashamed of Jesus, he's not going to be ashamed of us. Jesus is coming. It's what the Bible says cover to cover. New Testament is filled with the message of the return of Jesus Christ. I hope that's a blessing to you. You know, right now we're going to go to an interview with Rabbi Jonathan Kahn where I sat down with him. Now, the next portion of the Tipping Point show is for subscribers only. You know, we want you to become a subscriber. $7 a month, $77 a year. And if you sign up for the monthly, your first month is free. So you can check us out. We want you to become a subscriber. Thank you for joining us today. If you're subscribers, stay tuned.